This morning's scripture reading will be in Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. If you will turn there with me. It's the book of Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? In the passage before us, we find John in prison. And from his incarceration, he learned of the mighty works that Jesus was performing and doing among the people. Now, for us to learn more about what Jesus was doing, or for him to learn a little bit more, he sent a couple of disciples out. And he said, go ask him if he's the one for which we have been waiting, or do we wait for another? And to that, Jesus answered this, Matthew eleven four through 6. He said, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now we learn later on in the text of Matthew, Matthew 14, 2 through 3, why John was in prison in the first place. He was in prison because he publicly denounced the marriage of King Herod to his brother Philip's wife. In fact, he had stolen his brother's wife. He had taken her away from his brother, married her as if she were his own wife. We also read about it in Luke uh, 3, verses 19 through 20. And so he was upset with with, uh, John. He didn't like to be rebuked, especially publicly. And so he threw John in prison. And so while he was in prison, he sent this message to Jesus. And I don't think we should understand uh, that John viewed the kingdom any different than what the other disciples did. I think at that time the disciples viewed the king as a physical ruling king over who would uh, uh, lead Israel back to a prominent place where they had been in, in past history. They thought that the Messiah would come, throw off the yoke of bondage of Rome, defeat Rome soundly, and then usher in this kingdom of which John had been preaching and of which Christ had taught. Now, there was an issue, wasn't there? Well, it was wrong, but John wasn't seeing any action, was he? John had preached about this coming kingdom. He began to doubt Jesus a little bit, the same Jesus that he was preparing the way for, the same Jesus of which he spoke, but he was not seeing any changes in the status of rulership. He was still sitting in prison. Jesus wasn't coming to his aid to break him out of the bonds of which Herod had imprisoned him. And he must have been a little bit offended by that. And so Jesus mildly rebuked John. Ultimately, John received the message. He got back on track. He was reminded of what he had seen. 
And he would have come to the understanding that Jesus was accomplishing exactly what heaven had sent him to earth to accomplish. Now what I want us to focus on this morning isn't the fact that he was in Herod's prison. I want us to focus more this morning on the state of mind John had while he was sitting in Herod's prison. Through all of his work, his brave outcries against sin, his tireless efforts to prepare the way for Christ, Matthew eleven ten, John found himself in a position of doubt, didn't he? He began to question, was what I was doing all along, was that the right thing to do? Was, was it maybe I misinformed or because here I sit in prison, I'm in bonds. I think we can understand from where John is coming. John was a man, after all, with limited knowledge of exactly what the kingdom was. Jesus had just appeared on the scene. The prophets had spoken of it, but, but even the prophets weren't fully aware of exactly what, of that which they prophesied. And so, he wanted to see some action. He wanted to see something happen. He wanted to see this new king of whom he had been speaking go into Rome, take Rome, sit on the throne. But his momentary doubt placed him somewhere other than in Herod the Tetrarch's prison. His mind placed him in a place much more dangerous. The prison of doubt. Now that's the title of the sermon this morning. The prison of doubt. And for a brief period he was incarcerated with chains of doubt. For a brief moment he began to question all for which he lived. But I don't think we ought to be too hard on John. I think many of us have been in that position at one time or another. I think most Christians have endured certain things in their lives and they come to a position and they think, well, am I doing what's... I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe they begin to doubt their salvation. After all, there are thousands and thousands of religions in the world. Am I following the right religion? Is my religion the right one? Or am I just listening to what someone's been telling me for 40 years? I think that's a question that we ought to be asking. We ought to ask ourselves that. Am I finding for myself this information in the Bible and I have the assurance and the uh, uh the courage to know that the religion of which I'm a part is Christ's religion? Or have I just been listening to people tell me that all this time? And I think like John, we need to come to the understanding, just like John, that our faith is built on fact. Isn't that what the the disciples returned and told him? Because that's the message Jesus sent. You tell John to remember what he saw. You tell John, I'm the one of which the Scripture speaks. Don't have doubt. Don't have doubt. Know where your faith lies. I think when we are able to come out of any kind of a doubt that we endure in this life, we come to the understanding it is the bonds of uh, the prison of doubt and those chains of which we must fear more than anything else. I want us to examine John's experience for a few moments. I want us to look at what he endured, what he saw, how he responded, how Christ responded to him, and how all of that unfolded. And I hope, and it's our desire, that we take away from John's experience a little bit of information that would help us in our coming experiences if we face doubt. I want us to notice first the deception 
that is in the prison of doubt. That's our first point. He asked this, Art thou he that should come, or, or do we look for another? While in prison, John doubted. He doubted. He began to examine what he was what he had been teaching, what he had so boldly been proclaiming, you know, that must have been a letdown for John. That must have been discouraging for John. John might have even been a little bit angry. I don't know. I know that he was expecting something that he wasn't receiving. And so that hurts us, doesn't it? That causes problems in our lives. Notice what he had told and what he had spoken about the Christ. Matthew 3, beginning with verse 11. He told those to whom he preached, he said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. Now he's talking about this man of now who he is doubting. He said, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And this is how we see, or the point where we see how John feels toward the Christ. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. But then he was thrown in prison. That kind of changed things for him a little bit, didn't it? That kind of changed his attitude, put him in what he perceived as a different reality, even if for just a moment he allowed Satan to weaken his resolve. But that's why Satan's so dangerous. He doesn't need to have us holy. He just needs a little bit of us. We mentioned in class this morning, we can't serve a little bit of Satan and a little bit of God. We either serve God or we serve Satan. We serve God holy or we serve Satan holy. There's no in-between. And so Satan doesn't need us all the way, does he? He just needs us just a little bit. Just get on his side a little bit, and then he's taken us away from God. And then we choose to leave the hand of Jesus, John 10, 28. But I want us to look a little closer at what John did as he sat in that prison of doubt, as he was doubting himself as he was giving in to this deception that Satan had placed before him, he began to doubt, but then he began to ask a question. Do you notice who he went to for the question or for the answer? He didn't go to Herod. He didn't call for Herod or ask to be taken into Herod's uh, presence and say, Herod, was I wrong? Was I wrong about the Christ? Was I wrong about your adulterous marriage? Was I wrong about any of that? No, he didn't do that. He didn't gather up those other prisoners who Herod had placed in there with John and look around and say, hey, let's take a vote on this. What's the consensus? Was I wrong? Have I dedicated my life to something that was false? No, that's not what he did at all, was it? He went to Jesus. He asked Jesus. He doubted and he went to the one who could save him. And that's what we do today, isn't it? We don't look around and ask somebody, hey, have I been wrong all these years? And take their word for it. Now we may ask somebody that. But they need to demonstrate through the gospel. Through the New Testament. Whether or not we've been following that path. Or somebody else's right. And that's what John did. And because he did that. He went from doubt. 
to discovery. He discovered, he learned some things, didn't he? Have you ever heard the phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder? Not so with Christ. Absence from God does not make the heart grow fonder. It makes the heart grow weaker. It puts the heart in danger. It puts our souls in danger. We don't want to be separated from God. Now, John was separated physically from Jesus. He couldn't see Him. He couldn't talk to Him. He couldn't hear Him. But he had heard about some things that were happening. And he wanted to know a little more about that. And and, and being locked up, he wanted to make certain that what I was experiencing before, was that really what I thought it was? Have any of you ever been to a show where a magician performed? I used to love to watch magic. And on one occasion, Nicole took me to a show where a magician performed, and it just intrigues me. Now, I know going in that this fella is tricking me, but I enjoy the the atmosphere, and so I'm willing to be tricked. I enjoy watching that, right? And so we've seen things in life, and then we look back over and we say, "Am am I remembering that correctly? You know, John began to doubt himself a little bit. He began to doubt Christ a little bit because now his heart and his mind became clouded because he had physical chains on him. He wasn't being rescued. No one was breaking down the door. No one was coming in and declaring victory. But that's what happens when we separate ourselves from God. Now, he was separated physically. But more importantly, he had separated himself or had begun to separate himself spiritually. But he caught himself, didn't he? He said, go ask him. You brethren, go ask him. Is he still the one? Isn't that the same thing that happened to Peter when he stepped out of that fishing boat onto the water and began to walk on the water? He was focused on the Christ, and then he began to look around. He saw the waves. He heard the wind. I'm sure he felt the water splashing upon him, and that must be a little unnerving. I particularly myself don't like open water. I've been fishing in the Gulf, and I didn't particularly like getting out to where I was fishing. And so he's standing outside that boat, and what happens? He lost his faith. He became fearful, and he began to speak. Well, the same thing happened to him when Christ was going through that mockery of a trial, and he followed him afar off, and eventually he's warming himself at the devil's fire. And and what happened? He left the presence of Christ, and he denied the Lord three times. See, John was in danger, but he went to the right person. And so we need to understand that Paul made a statement, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't have to see Jesus in the physical. We don't have to hear Him speak to us in our ears. We listen to the Bible. We can prove its validity. We can prove that it is the Word of God, and we'll listen to the Scripture, and we will do what God asked us to do. But that's exactly what John did. He went, he sent two disciples to get the Word of God and bring it back to him. And thank God for him. I think to avoid the prison of doubt, we need to know what can lead us there. First of all, John was discouraged, wasn't he? Oh, he was discouraged. He couldn't change his situation, and he was simply over it, wasn't he? He was tired of it. He wanted it to be through. But by Paul's example, I think he learned 
to be content, not that Paul was his example, but he's our example, to be content in whatever state where you find yourself, Philippians 4, verse 11. Life sometimes isn't what we would like for it to be. Life isn't fair. If it were, I tell my girls, used to tell them all the time, if life were fair, they would call it something else instead of life. So he was discouraged. John, he was also disappointed. I'm sure he expected Jesus to come to his rescue. After all, look what he had given himself to. He had preached and he had put himself in danger and he stood up against Herod. He expected Jesus to come get him. He's disappointed. It didn't happen. Disappointment can cause us to doubt. He was disillusioned. He had been hearing about some of the things that that Jesus was doing, but he was waiting on the big news, wasn't he? He wanted to hear Jesus is now the Messiah. He's attacking Rome. You're going to be out of here in just a little while. He's taking care of everything. But that didn't happen. Jesus will set us free, but he's not going to take physical bonds off of us. That wasn't his job, was it? That's not why he came to earth. He sets us free from the prison of sin and doubt with the word of truth. And that's what he sent back to John. The word of truth. John 8, verse 32. While in prison, John doubted. But while John was in prison, Jesus demonstrated some things to him. That's our second point. First of all, when Jesus heard from John's disciples, do you know he wasn't overly harsh with him, was he? He wasn't ugly to John. He rebuked him, but it was a mild rebuke. It was a rebuke to to grab his attention. He didn't say, you go tell John, who do you think you are to question me? He didn't tell them that, go tell John, he saw the Spirit of God descend upon me as if it were a dove. He heard the Father speak from heaven concerning me. He's seen me do things. He didn't go on a rant about John. He didn't say he has no right to doubt me. We don't have a right right to doubt Christ, but, but that's not how he handled John, was it? He didn't tell him, you go back and tell John to get his head right. Pay attention to what's going on around here. That's not what he did, was it? No, not at all. He didn't do that. He simply answered John. He responded in a loving and a kind way with with grace and patience. Notice what he said. He said, go and show John again. Don't we have to be reminded sometimes? John's no different. John was a great man. In his second epistle, Peter in chapter 2 said, I want to bring to your remembrance. Well, they knew all about what Peter was talking about. They'd heard that before. They'd learned that before. They'd been taught that. But we're people, aren't we? And sometimes we forget some of the most important things. And we have to be reminded. Go and show John again. You know, he needed to be reminded of the truth of why he came to earth. John talked about him. He didn't come to earth to get John out of prison. That wasn't his job. He didn't come to earth to take our problems away. 90% of of which we got into because we made a stupid mistake. We wouldn't listen to what God wanted us to do. He came so we would have the opportunity to escape sin and be in heaven eternally, Luke 19.10. 
He didn't come to take John out of prison. He came to fulfill his duty. And he told John, that's what I'm doing. And at the appropriate time, I will establish the kingdom. That was his whole point, wasn't it? His whole point was to come and bring, how do we, how are we saved? How can I determine I'm a member of the correct church? Well, there's a whole lot of things we need to look at, right? We need to look at a name. We need to look at practices. We need to look at organization. All of that's addressed in the Bible. But probably most importantly, we need to look at how do you become a Christian, right? We need to be able to tell people about faith in, in Christ, that He is who He said He was, John 8, 24. See, that was one of the problems now that John was facing. He began to doubt a little bit, didn't he? You know what John taught? He taught the very plan of salvation that extended to us, or most of it, didn't he? He taught about repentance. He taught about turning away from a lifestyle of sin, turning toward God and living. That's what he did. He changed his whole life. He dedicated his life to Christ. But now he doubted just a little bit. We need to understand what repentance means. That's probably the hardest one out of the whole bunch, isn't it? Acts 3.19. Repent be converted. Repentance means I'm going to stop doing what I shouldn't be doing. And that's a little difficult for some of us sometimes, isn't it? A little hard to overcome those urges and those desires that we have. It's It's hard to overcome bad habits. But, you know, we can. We can and God expects that. John doubted just a little bit of who Jesus really was. But that's part of the plan of salvation, to confess His name before others. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Acts chapter 10. You see, we have to follow that plan. Being immersed in water, that's the final step. John taught baptism. It was a different baptism. It was a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Now, we're baptized a baptism of confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God for the remission of sins. We see that in Acts 8, verse 37. We talk about, or that's how uh, Paul was taught in Acts 22, 16. And then we live this life of faithfulness. And John was doing all that. Now, he wasn't a member of the Lord's church. It hadn't been established. But he was living like God wanted him to live, and he just simply began to doubt a little bit. You know, I wish I never doubted, but sometimes I do. Do you ever doubt? Do you ever question yourself? Do you ever think, man, I don't know why I'm doing this? Elijah did that, didn't he? We read about him in 1 Kings 19, 1 through 16. He doubted. He had had a great victory, and then he began to doubt. But do you know how God handled Elijah? He wasn't harsh with Elijah, was he? No, he ministered to Elijah. He didn't write him off as someone who wasn't worthy of salvation. No, he reassured Elijah. He didn't raise his voice in condemnation. He simply told him what the truth was in love. He didn't give his ministry to another person, did he? He gave him a whole fresh new assignment. That's how God handles us, isn't it? He doesn't allow our doubts, if we will let Him do it, to overcome us and put us in prison. No, He simply sets the record straight. He tells us what we need to do. And we follow it. Jesus answered John, and because of that, John was assured. You know, we don't read anything else about John ever doubting the Christ after that. In fact, you know what we do read about John? Was that John walked to his death 
a willing martyr. Willing martyr. Gave his life for the one he loved. Jesus sent the word to him. And he's done the same thing for us. He's preserved the word for us. And we can we can be confident in the accuracy of the Bible. We have have manuscripts that are dated from 250 B.C. And all those that followed along after it, we can compare those. And, you know, we all heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And, and that was one of the greatest finds in the history of Bible archaeology. At that time, up to that time, the oldest manuscript we ever had was about 1,000 A.D. So we found some manuscripts that were 1,200 to 1,500 years older, and they were in alignment. So we can know that we have a have the accurate Word of God, so we just have to read it. And when we do that, we can overcome the prison of doubt by the demonstrations of Jesus. John doubted, Jesus demonstrated, and then the declarations made had a huge impact on John. That's our third and final point. Those declarations Jesus made helped John while he was in prison, didn't he? Didn't remove the chains, but nonetheless it helped him. He he remained in prison. Eventually he was murdered for his great faith in Jesus. Again, he went to the chopping block or however it was they took his life as as a willing martyr. And he's reaping the reward right now. Matthew 14. 6 through 12. We can be assured if we ever allow ourselves to enter into the prison of doubt, there's still hope if we look for it. There's still a way out if we want to find it. And we can have encouragement and blessing. Jesus has exactly what we need. And He made a statement, Hebrews 13, 5 recorded for us, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. During his time of trouble, Paul stated, 2 Timothy 4, beginning with verse 16, he said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And he'll do the same thing today. He's not going to present himself before us. He's in heaven, and that's where he'll remain until he comes back together as faithful. He's not going to present Himself to us. He's not going to speak to us directly because He's given us the Bible, the Word of God. That's all we need. That's all we need. It's that which will guide us into all truth. It is the Word of God that is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16. It is the Word of God that produces faith in the heart, Romans 10.17. It is the Word of God where we learn to repent. It is the Word of God that we learn to confess Christ before men. It is the Word of God in which we learn to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of sin. It's in the Word of God that shows us how to live in this life and to live a faithful life. After He sent those disciples away, Jesus began to speak of John. He spoke of the greatness of John. John was a great prophet. He was a great man. He made some statements about John, but he helped him. But there were still some things that were hidden from John. John didn't have all the information, did he? It wasn't for John to have all the information. It was for John to have that information that he needed to prepare the way. Church hadn't been established. The works that Jesus was doing hadn't been fulfilled yet. 
He helped John, but that doesn't mean God gives us all the answers all the time. There are a whole lot of things we ask we'd like to know about. We don't have an answer for it. There are a lot of things that happen in this life that we wonder, why did that happen? I'm trying to be as faithful as I can to God, and all these bad things happen to me. You've got someone over here who doesn't care anything about God, and boy, everything they touch turns right to gold. They never have any problems in this life at all. Why is that happening to me? And I'm trying to be faithful. But he spoke of the greatness of the man who was bound in prison, the one who would never walk free again. He was a great man. He said he wasn't a reed shaking in the wind. He didn't toss to and fro. didn't matter what the political climate was or the religious climate. He spoke the truth. He said he wasn't a man clothed in soft clothing. He wasn't looking for an easy way out. They went out to find him and he was dressed in animal fur and he was eating locusts and wild honey. He wasn't looking for an easy way out, was he? He was a hard worker. He didn't come to rule. He came to serve. He came to prepare the way. John was a prophet, Jesus said, the greatest man born among women. But do you know what else he said? He said the least in the kingdom is greater than John. Why? John didn't have access to the kingdom, did he? He died before it was ever established. He died faithful. He went to paradise. There's no doubt about it. But he didn't have the things that we have today. He didn't have an opportunity to obey the gospel. He didn't understand the fulfillment of those prophecies of which he spoke and of which he read. You know, sometimes we find there are things heaven is hidden from us. Some things were hidden from John. He didn't have to know everything. We don't either. What we have to know is how to be faithful to God. And so during those times, we may wonder again why things happen in this world. But we need to rely on God. Bad things happen to good people, and it's not God's fault. All of God's plans are not revealed to us, but the ones that matter, the ones that are important, the ones that affect our salvation, they've been revealed. And thank God for that. God will save the faithful, and that ought to remove all doubt from our minds. Release us from the prison of doubt. Now, we can count on the Word of God. He's going to stand by it. He's going to stand by it. He'll always do what He said He would do. John 5, verse 18. Have you ever found your... Self in the prison of doubt. Are we in a prison of doubt? Are some of us there today? Is Satan, Satan tempting us to turn our hearts away because something's happened in our lives and now we're beginning to question things that we've always believed? But Jesus promised those who obey the gospel, those who remain faithful, they're going to go to heaven. They're going to go to heaven. Let that take this doubt away. Here's one thing we can know for certain. Jesus is not afraid of our doubts. He will listen to them. He listened to John's. He's willing to hear them and answer them. But we have to pay attention to the demonstrations He's preserved for us in the Bible. The Lord's challenge to us is this. Philippians 4, beginning verse 6. Paul said, Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you're here today and you need to be released from the prison of doubt, whether through initial obedience, and we talked about how to do that, or through coming back, repenting of sin in your life, whether publicly or privately, 
asking God to forgive you. If you need to do that, do that as we stand and as we sing.